What's going on, Trophy Kids? We've got a great one here for you. We are talking Final Four. Also talking a little bit about the women's game. Absolutely electric tournament they got on their end. We're breaking down the men's Final Four. We're giving out some plays. Got a couple betting nuggets in there for you. It's all good stuff. Everything you expected if you were watching on YouTube. I do apologize. I forgot to hit record on the video aspect of this. So for the first couple minutes, you're not going to see our lovely faces. But we are coming back. Don't you worry about it. We hope you enjoy this one. And as always, thank you for supporting the brand. Welcome Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is March 31st, and we are back for the Final Four edition. How are we doing today, good sir? Doing well, doing well. How are you? Doing good. I think you owe me an apology, though, um, for talking <laughs> me out of UConn and getting me UCLA to the Final Four. My I, national I pick, my national champ pick is on fire right now, and I got talked out of it. <laughs> I do, I do. You're right. You're absolutely <laughs> right. I talked to you out of it. I talked to fans out of it. I got to give back my senior basketball analyst <laughs> title. Um, I didn't know UCLA was going to shit the bed like that. Yeah, to be fair, I I still I still question what that matchup would have looked like had we gotten that. As soon as Gonzaga got through, I was like, oh, they are about to get absolutely mm-hmm. dominated. Um, yeah, that whole defense is eventually going to bite them in the butt came right on time um, it wasn't even again like i to be completely honest with you i stopped watching it yeah no it was yeah. <laughs> it was absolutely terrible um yeah so that was that was that game i i feel like we don't need to we could kind of recap it as we talk about the games um i think uconn's a great place to start though this team has been absolutely dominant you've got uconn now in the final four miami in the final four Florida Atlantic in the Final Four, and San Diego State in the Final Four. This has led many within the industry to sort of bash this year's product. Where are you at in the whole grand scheme of, you know, what college, the state of college basketball right now in the tournament state? So, you you know, I've I've seen two opinions online crop up, right, that this is great for the game. This lets you know that any team can win. Small colleges need to – Small colleges and universities need to invest more in their basketball programs because they can go all the way to the Final Four. And then I've seen, you know, the curmudgeons is what I'm going to call them saying, like, this is why we need to, like, have more stringent rules on how a team qualifies and what happens if big names have a bad day and, like, who's going to watch UConn, San Diego State, FAU. The fans are. The fans of college basketball will. And, like, I don't. I think this is great. The parody, you said it earlier when we first started talking about this, it's there. I think it's more apparent in basketball because basketball is a game. You could have five McDonald's All-Americans. We saw it with Kentucky a couple of times. We've seen it with Duke. And But that's sometimes your shot's not falling. Sometimes it's just a crazy game, and that's what makes this fun. So I think this is great. I, I love it. I don't think that this either diminishes – or brings up college basketball, I think this is what it's supposed to be. A hundred percent. Because the tournament achieves what football is trying to do, what every other sport is to do, is to give a nat- a neutral site, essentially, where both teams have the exact same opportunity to win the game. You roll the ball out. You see who's the best team on that given day. It's not like all these primo teams didn't have their opportunity. And we knew this heading into this year, that things were more balanced. Um, now, I think there's a question as to seeding. Um, and the realities that that were set for some of these teams, like a UConn, like a Creighton, just off the top of my head, because I was watching Big East basketball all year, and these teams, 
They just had a month dip. But outside of that, they were top-tier teams all season. UConn was a perennial top-tier team. They just sort of had that mid-season dip. The Big East is a conference where if you take a night off or you have a bad night, anybody outside of probably Georgetown can get you. Um, and so, and, and we could say that with Miami and the ACC. I mean, they won their tournament, and yeah, it was a down year, but they did a great job there. Like, there were opportunities to seed this probably a little better. I think that's where the conversation could maybe geared more towards. But like, this is what we want in sports. We don't want just one juggernaut. And I think I, I saw Charles Barkley talking about this, and it, it's sort of that whole like old head mantra. And I like Charles. I think he's really good. But I think sometimes these guys wade into waters that they don't, they're not. Mm-hmm. truly familiar with and when he said that nil and the transfer portal are going to make it so there's only like 25 teams we're seeing that's the exact opposite now maybe opposite. in football that's yep. true i i don't necessarily disagree i think there'll be a little bit more parody in football but in basketball this is exactly what we're seeing miami went in on a couple guys boom hit it you know you could turn rosters over really quick all you need is one guy in college basketball and then build a team around him and you go get him in the transfer portal and then you you put surrounding assets around him or a guy or two and you're right there competing. Like it's it's leveled the playing field in college basketball. Well, yeah, I think it's good. I I I don't um, give any credence to like nobody wants to watch San Diego State versus FAU. Nobody wants to watch uh, UConn versus Miami. I I disagree wholeheartedly. Now, with that said, I do delve into the conspiracy theories. I do think that the the tournament puts certain matchups in there on purpose. And if they happen, they happen, right? But I think that's probably the extent of it. Or at least I hope that's the extent. Hundred percent. I mean yeah. and I think this is a poor marketing job. And we're gonna talk about the ladies game here in a moment. They've done a primo job in marketing their product this year and their stars. I think the men's tournament has done a horrendous job because they've been the top dog. They haven't really had to market this tournament. We never, never, in the history of college basketball, we are seeing something for the first time. Zero number one seeds in the Elite Eight. A Final Four that is two mid-majors that have made it in San Diego State and Florida Atlantic. I don't know if we'll we'll see that again. We might in the current state, but this is the first time we're really seeing. We get one Cinderella story, maybe, that like really pushes through. The George Masons of the world. You know, the Butlers back when Brad Stevens was there. You know, you get these teams that kind of come out of nowhere, Cinderella stories, but like, We've got two right now. They had the same circumstances as everybody else coming to this tournament. They won the games in front of them. Like, there's a story to tell here, and it doesn't feel like that story's being told to the masses. No. Yeah, and it's... it's. I wanted to ask you this. Like, how do you think UConn feels as the only team that's been here before? Like, do you think that adds pressure, or do you think that Dan Hurley is like, that wasn't my team, that wasn't, like... I think, you know, part part of it, like we does UConn also feel like a new team in the Final Four? I think kind of because of the state of disarray that program was in when he took over, like yeah. it, it it was a it was bad when when Dan Hurley took over. And this is a guy. There's another story that could be marketed here. You know, we're seeing the state of college basketball where like these kind of. We're seeing more nowadays coaches kind of getting cherry-picked, you know, great pros or famous alum. Like, Dan Hurley's a guy, yes, he comes from a very famous basketball family because his dad is mm-hmm. the greatest high school basketball coach to ever exist. You know, mm-hmm. his brother, Bob um, Hurley, played on that Duke team with Christian Leitner, you know. But this is a guy, he grinded it out as a high school coach. Then he went out to Wagner, grinded it out there. Then went to URI, then takes over the UConn program. Like, he's a guy that's really climbed the ranks, and he has built back this this really kind of 
powerhouse program since the 90s that is on the verge of that kind of new age blue blood talk, which I think is a very interesting part to talk about. Like, I feel like the word blue blood has lost a lot of its luster. Like, a lot of talks going on here. And I'm one of those guys who doesn't even think Duke necessarily should be in there because, like, they've only been relevant since the 90s when Coach K came onto the scene. Like, for me, blue blood is, in in real life, it is a old historic family that has money and power. That's sort of how I view it in college basketball. The UCLA's of the world, the Kansas's, the Indiana's, the UNC's who have had long histories of success with multiple coaches. I know Duke's in there, whatever. Yep. But if Duke's in there for their performances since 90s to now, UConn has got to be right on the precipice because they started getting good with Calhoun back in the 90s, and they've been right there since. So if Dan Hurley could put together a championship run here and maybe one more, UConn's now in the conversation, I think, for a blue blood recognition at least. Yeah, I always, when I think about the Blue Blood conversation, I just think that there's two tiers. There's your old guards, like you said, your UCLA's, your Kansas's, and then there's like the, the newer Blue Bloods where they're like, they've had recent success and have sustained recent success. Yep. Um, and these are usually your teams you see, they, they shuffle in and out of the championship classics, right? If you're one of the six or eight teams that get shuffled in and out of there, that's usually how I did. I'm like, okay, that team is either an old blue blood, elder statesman, or a blue blood that they think is relevant now. Right. Um, and I'm not going to say anything about my bias for Michigan State. We'll just that <laughs> um, I think you know where I land on that. Yeah. But <laughs> that's what I think. I think there's two tiers of blue bloods. I agree. I agree with that. But I think that's the only pressure maybe in Durant, Dan Hurley's head. And I don't even think it's there. I don't even think he necessarily hears that of like, you guys are on the cuspice of being like, if you can lock in a championship this year, you're now in that conversation of do we put UConn in the like upper echelon of college basketball programs because now they will have done it over three coaches, three separate decades. Like, where are you at now? Um, that's probably the only pressure, but I don't even know if that's... I think they still got a chip on their shoulder because they're coming in as a four seed into this tournament, feeling slightly disrespected. They're clearly the most well-rounded team in the tournament, something we talked about when we started our breakdown, you know, a couple weeks ago when the tournament came in, it, it was really down to do you have good 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 point guard play um, and not turning over the ball. That's really the only Achilles heel. And now we've got a fantastic matchup against Miami UConn. The line set at five and a half, over unders one forty nine and a half at eight forty nine on um, Saturday. How do we feel about that game and that matchup specifically? I would love to come in here and tell you that UConn is the clear, like, UConn is going to do this. They're going to be in a championship game. I'm going to be honest with you, Nate. I have no idea. I have no fucking Dude, this game is what's ruining my brain. That game. Like, does Miami just keep making shots? Because that's all they do nowadays is just... Miami shot over 50% in the second half against Houston, if I'm correct. It, I think I'm correct. Which is even that's more incredible wild. when you put it in the context of the tournament, which is a bad year because for some some genius in the NCA tournament offices said you know what let's introduce a new ball in the moment where we have to shine the brightest let's give these kids a new ball to adjust to like what dimwit thought of that process oh no but it did seem like teams figured it out they did eventually yeah right yeah and actually they talked to some Michigan State players who were like yeah it was weird the first one but we 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 got it so yes I think they should have gave they what they probably should have done, and I know the NCAA tournament can't or the NCAA can't do this, but what they probably should have done is in the conference tournaments made them play with 
that ball. Yeah. Well, also, I don't understand. I didn't know this. This is something new I'm learning. There isn't a uniform ball among conferences either. How the hell does that make sense? What? Like, do you know how, like, I think Nick Saban would kill somebody if his team had been using one football all season. They get to the postseason, and all of a sudden, it's a different type of football. Like, what the hell are we doing here, folks? Yeah, it's not even a uniform ball within conferences. Yeah, yeah. what are we... Yeah. Blew my mind when I learned this. I had no idea. I've been watching college basketball my entire life. Something new I learned this year. Yeah, I... um. I, we must have read the same article because I was like, oh, this makes no, this makes zero sense where teams literally just pick the ball that they want to play with. Zero. <laughs> no, no sense whatsoever. That in like, I don't know how you feel about it. It, it. I feel like the the final four should be in a rotating of like very select cities. Like Houston kind of doesn't feel like a great city to be having this final four. And like, it doesn't feel like a basketball town, but I know it, it is technically. Yeah. Like it should be like Indiana should get one. New Orleans should get one. Maybe New York, like places where you can kind of be like central hub. Hell, I guess Florida needs it because they're now the mecca of basketball with all the schools that they've had their runs, both in the women's game and the men's game. Who saw that coming? Florida, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, either way, back to this game. Um, yeah, I I don't know how to make this right now because I also have the question of like, what's Dan Hurley going to do? Because yes. theoretically, there is a lineup that he could put out there that doesn't gear itself as well to their offensive philosophy, but is much better defensively in guarding this Miami style of basketball. But that and sacrifice is small too. Yeah. But that sacrifices offense. Or does he go, you know what? We'll just go shot for shot. Cause I got more get, I got guys that can get buckets, get rebounds. We're just going to keep playing our game. Yeah. I think here, like Sonogo, if he commits to staying in the paint and is back in Miami down or, pulling their guards out and then going back to the paint, I think it could be disaster for Miami just based on size, not talent. Don't Cause I have seen the people be like, you keep talking about Miami. Like they don't have talent. No, no, no. They have some of the best guard play out there. This yep. is literally like just a, just physics at this point. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about it. And it's not, and Sonogo, like he grabbed eight boards. He gets some of his shots, but he, he, he really does like to play the perimeter. He's not, he doesn't always get in the paint, but I think if him and Hawkins like attack the paint, pull out and, and like can take their guards out of the game, I think UConn can win this. I know Dan Hurley has called on some legendary coaches to get some advice about how to play in the final four. So I think yeah. that's telling too. Um, I think, I hope Dan Hurley picks a game plan that includes putting Sonogo in the paint and sticks to it. And if that happens, I think UConn wins. If they let Miami run them up and down the floor, it's going to be a long night for UConn. Yeah. I mean, Jim Laranega, who is now the grandfather of college basketball at this point, um, his style that I think a lot of people are sort of discounting him right now because it does feel very much like they just sort of roll the ball out and, and just let, let and just go. But there is an organized it's like organized chaos. Like, yeah, it's mm -hmm. chaos, but there there's organization to it on a deeper level. Um, and I think Jim Laranega has has really kind of unlocked that ability in his guards to be really creative, but within sort of a system, um, which has made this run awesome because it's been incredibly hard for them to kind of um Guard this team. Now, one thing I do want to just 
I think it's worth talking about because for the media is really latched on to this. It's going to be a story, especially from a betting standpoint. The observance of Ramadan with people like Sinogo yes. and some of his other yes. players. They did this last week, folks, and they still beat the brakes off of Gonzaga. Like, it's crazy to me that an athlete can do this, go through Ram- observance of Ramadan, not eat or drink anything all day, and then literally, like, the sun goes down. You got, like, 30 minutes before tip-off, and somehow you're getting enough fuel and water into your body to go out and play at an elite level. Insane. Blows my mind. I don't know how it's possible. More power to these guys, though. But, like, I don't think it's going to play a huge factor in this game because, one, they've been doing this their whole lives. Right. And, two, we've seen them do this in the tournament, and they beat the brakes off teams still. Like, this... UConn, if they win the whole thing, can go is going to be in the conversation for most... If they do, one of the most dominant teams we've seen in March Madness. Yeah, I... Like you said, Sonogo is an athlete. He's been doing this his, his whole life. Um, more power to him for observing Ramadan during this time. He could have easily suspended that observance because of the work that he's doing right now. So yep. I think that's dedication, both to his faith and to the game at the same time. Um, but no, I don't think it, it shouldn't be too much of a factor. No, I, I just, I we, we I feel like we have an obligation to our betters to not, buy into that narrative (laughs) um don't use that as a factor if you're going to do this now i don't have a play on this game like i i'm still trying to wrap my head around this game because i I just don't know how to bet it yet but i'll give something out on our social so make sure you're following at trophy kids pod um the day of Uh, it's going to be a gut pick i already know it's coming from there but it's a super interesting matchup I think UConn wins, though. I just don't know from a betting perspective how I'm going to do this, but I have UConn winning this game and going on to the national championship. Yeah. Now, San Diego State Fort Atlantic. It's a fun game. Interesting matchup. I mean, (laughs) you have muck it up, make it dirty, low scoring, hard-nosed defense versus most wins in college basketball this season, shot getters, can put it up offensively and pour it on you kind of philosophy. Butting heads right here. The line's at two and a half. San Diego State is the favorite. Over-under is 131 and a half. What do you make of this game? I like Davis. I really think Davis from FAU is the X factor here. If Davis has a good night and FAU just has a okay night, I think they overpower San Diego State. San Diego State. Now, with that said, the Aztecs' defense is no joke, and scoring against them, ask Alabama. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not. They don't. They don't allow. What they don't allow like fifty-eight points or like fifty-nine points. Like they barely allow sixty points a game. Um, they're going to turn you over. They're not going to let you shoot threes. I like you said. This is a very interesting matchup. Yeah, and here's the other thing, folks. And this might be a play in the Miami UConn game. I think it's certainly a play here. They're playing in a football stadium. We talk about yeah. this every year. There is an adjustment to the lights and shooting and getting your depth perception going for these players. So I think both the first half, if you're looking to bet these games, I think San Diego State and UConn are both probably more favorable first halves or unders in the first half, things like that. So consider that in your, your uh, mentions here. I kind of like San Diego State here because – Florida Atlantic has been an awesome story. I, I, 
I think we're going to see more of these as we kind of go along because, like, what we said, I think NIL and the transfer portal is really kind of evening the playing field Um, because it's also keeping coaches super honest. Long gone are the days that you can overpromise and underdeliver. Kids are out of there, and that allows some of these schools like Florida Atlantic, the San Diego States of the world, kind of the smaller schools, to go out and get guys that they couldn't get out of high school because they couldn't recruit against the name brands, but those kids got to those name brands and realized this isn't all it's cracked up to be. Let me go be a star in another program. Um, and this is also what NIL is for right here, is like the Florida Atlantic kids getting deals at their fucking local dealerships because now they're in the Final Four. But yeah. I'm getting off on a tangent here. I think I like San Diego State just because of what we saw them do against an Alabama. The yep. game never seems too big for them. They're in their heads. Nate Oates, game got too big for him in that game. I don't know what Nato's is doing. He's still got two two timeouts on the back nine right now. I I don't know what Nate he did. Oates, <laughs> the I think I'm gonna be honest with you. I think, like you said, the pressure, but everything got finally came to a head for Nate Oates, right? What the are slow we doing start. up or down two with 48 seconds and arguably one of the best defenses in the country. <laughs> yeah. The slow start got them because they should have been way ahead of San Diego State. Yep. But also, I think like you're seeing, you have been critical of him in the past of this games, like uh, situational awareness at the end of games. Nate Oates is not your coach. Nope. He is not the coach you want calling that final play. He's not the coach that you want getting the bunnies together. No, he, no. Nope. It's why I think he is Great coach, but overrated at this point in time. Like, we are giving this man roses. He is yet... He, they didn't go to Elite Eight last year. They haven't nope. been... Yeah, they haven't pushed through the sweet season. Like, people are already trying to crown him, like, the best coach in basketball. It's like, whoa, this is the perfect example of why he's not. Because moments get too big. Hell of a recruiter. Great salesman. But... Yeah, and I think he, he will get over that barrier because he's going oh, yeah. to get a team full of monsters. Eventually, just, yeah. Yeah. I 100%. But it won't be his. Nate Oates is like a neo version of uh, Calipari. I'd like that comparison. I 100% agree with that. Talk about a guy, Calipari, too, is if he can't do something with this team coming in next year. I mean, things are bad right now. I think he bought himself some time by by winning a couple games. Yeah, I do too, but still. Uh, Back to the point. We got off topic. San Diego State, though, is now a battle-tested team. That second weekend, they battled. The moment didn't get too big for them. At no point were the lights too bright. They had a really close game down to the final seconds against Creighton, which some there's some controversy there. It's a foul. It was wild. It was a foul. It 100% was foul. But I also get Creighton fans being really mad because the refs were kind of letting them play all game and then in that critical moment. I get it. You just can't undercut somebody. Yep. (laughs) It's hard. I I really do get Creighton, like you said, fans. But once you undercut somebody, they're going to call that foul every single time. Every single time. Yeah. But the moment didn't get too big for them then. Then you got Alabama, San Diego State. Arguably the team you've been hearing all tournament, the best team in the tournament, the top dog, Alabama. Like, this is the best team. They got arguably one of the best NBA talents in this year's draft. Granted, he's injured. Moment doesn't get too big for them. They play their game. They don't get outside of that. They win that game. In both games, they took high potent offenses and kept Alabama to 64 and Creighton to 56. I kind of like them here because I think Florida State or Florida Atlantic is going to get off to a slow start trying to adjust to being in an NFL stadium. You've got key good defense by San Diego State. And I, I like I like San Diego State UConn to be in the finals, which is just 
Oh man, man. I don't, that's going to be an interesting Ooh. stylistic matchup. I don't know if you you feel the same, but yeah. Um, no, I, San Diego State UConn is fine with me. Like, I can't. I like the line on this game is what two, two. one and a half. Like, that, this is a toss up. I cannot give a <laughs> an accurate prediction on this. I will say this: San Diego State has the ability to manufacture points. Does does Florida Atlantic also have that? Florida Atlantic can score, but that's different than manufacturing points when you need it. Um, and if you've watched basketball for a long time, you understand that. If you want to know, just they were down seven, they found eight points real quick, right? So, um, and that's that's key to like these tournament games. That's key in these close games. Can can you say, okay, we haven't really been scoring all game? This is I, I got a perfect analogy for this. If you are an MSU fan like me, MSU is not a team that can manufacture points. But what MSU can do is manufacture plays that may lead to points. San Diego State can put the ball in their guard's hand or their wing's hand and say, go get me five, six real quick. 100%. And they might not have scored all game. Yep, I, I agree with that. Um, you know who's in trouble with, with this matchup coming in with if San Diego uh, State or Florida Atlantic and UConn? Do you know where I'm going with this? Uh, where are you going? Ken Palm's ass is in some trouble. Oh, that yeah, man Ken and Palm. his statistics, which have been used, I- I'm so tired of hearing that stupid metric about the t- you can only win it if you finish in the top 25 of both offense and defense. That thing's adjusted for the tournament too, folks. And right now is like he's in trouble. Is <laughs> his his, uh, his epic run here as like the so basketball analytic guy? Ben Ken, his the women's tournament, he was spot on. True, very true. Men's tournament, no, no, not so much, (laughs) not so much. This is why we use uh, Haslam metrics or whatever over here at uh, Trophy Kids, or at least I do. I like his, I like his uh, ranking system a little bit better. I'll, you know me, I look at all of them. Um, all right. So if we get a UConn, San Diego State, or I guess Miami coming out of there, I guess who do you feel like is coming out of this weekend as your national champion? This is elder statesman. This is old basketball. This is Dante being uh, a kid watching basketball in the early 2000s um, and in the mid 2000s too. Uh, I gotta pick UConn here. I think UConn has the prestige, and I know we're we're we. I've just we just spent the whole time saying that none of that matters, <laughs> but. <laughs> It's all thrown uh, out the window in this tournament, but yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do think there is something to we've been here before, even if it's not that team. Yep. And I think this is a team that really found itself in, like we, we've sort of been saying throughout this tournament, is so well-rounded mm-hmm. that the only thing we saw derailing them was if Newton all of a sudden fell apart and didn't kind of stay on his current trajectory and got turned over a bunch, which hasn't or happened. Or Dan Hurley imploded his own team. Yep, or Dan Hurley loses his mind. But we've seen him start to come down yes. a little bit and be more calm within himself. I think he's realizing the mo- what the moment calls for, which is very older statesman-like of him. Yeah, I also don't think this is the, the conversation, right, we had, like if Dan Hurley had to play Bill Self. I don't think other coaches, like... I think a Bill Self, I even think like a Calipari, but definitely a Izzo, um, definitely a, a Miller, would play to get under Hurley's skin. I don't think these other coaches are even thinking no, about that. Definitely not Larinaga. And I don't know about the <laughs> other two. Like, like Larinaga definitely ain't doing that in the Final Four. 
Yeah. And I don't where Yeah. Yeah, I think those other coaches would take advantage of Hurley's hundred oh, percent. Which is why the Big East like the Big East is back, folks. Like it is fully back. If you weren't a believer that the Big East was back, it's back. You just look at one, the coaching personalities that are now involved, the players that are there, the programs. I mean, St. John's is bringing being brought back to life by Rick Pitino, mostly because their booster was essentially like, "Hey, you hire Rick Pitino, I'm giving you an open checkbook." Um, you've got Sean Miller and Xavier healthy. You've got Creighton and Doug McDermott healthy. You've got UConn super healthy. We'll see what happens at Villanova. Marquette is on the right path. Mm-hmm. Ed Cooley down in Georgetown. We'll we haven't see. even talked about that really yet. But like, I would assume they're going to be decent because it's really hard to mess up that job if you're just a half-decent coach. But you got to be able to coach kids up a little bit. But, uh, like, the Big East is back, folk. It, it's going to be awesome. And they showed them in this tournament, the teams that got in, they won some games, they were tough outs. UConn went through that kind of gauntlet this season. They've had their ups and downs, and they've come out stronger. And they're just a really, like, they have so few holes. It's really hard to pick them apart here. Very true. Very true. I, I like the Big East. I think Big East basketball, is, like you said, will be must-see TV. Um, I think, too, as we move forward with college basketball we are seeing like you said earlier like this evolution of the game and the what the transfer portal means what nil deals mean i don't i don't think this is a detriment to the sport at all i do think (laughs) that a roundabout way of uh, touching on your earlier point this whole notion of like nobody wants to watch women's sports is out the window. Oh man, this you are, when people are paying more to go see the women's final four than the men's final four, get out of here. It's all about marketing. It's all about getting it, putting them on TV. That, like you said, the women's tournament is in your face. I love it. It's the been electric. Is in your face. Absolutely. Um, the player they they've highlighted the right players. They've put out the right stats, and they've done a thing. I have always said you should do when the stat is about college basketball it should not matter if the player is a woman a woman or a man like that's the stat that person is the best in this category i put up more triple doubles than anyone who ever played this sport woman or man dude the women's tournament has been absolutely electric. I mean, hell, the uh, Iowa-Illinois game pulled in more viewers than any NBA game this season. Um, It has been, they've marketed their players really well. They have absolute stars. Caitlin Clark is about that life on the court. She is absolutely a a dead-eye shot, baller shot caller. That girl's got ice water running through her veins. Incredible. Angel Reese down at LSU. Hell, the whole LSU team's a vibe in and of itself. You got the Twins at Miami. Miami basketball was chaotic to watch. It was an up and down roller coaster throughout the tournament. Um, you have got uh, what's her name at Louisville? Um, Van Leaf, Van Leaf. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. She baller. Boston over at South South Carolina. Like they have done such a phenomenal job of finally marketing their stars in sports, and it has been an electric. Um, every game has been electric. I'm surprised more of the old heads haven't gotten onto it because when you watch the women's game, it's everything that people is the opposite of everything people complain about with the mid men's game. These girls can hit mid range, they can hit long range, they have good ball movement, they are very strategic on the court, they got great field generals as their point guards. Like it's been great to watch. Yeah, it's the women's final four is talent 
packed. The only thing I don't like is they're saying like they're finding a hard it's they're having a hard time getting families tickets. And I feel like that's something that wouldn't happen in a men's tournament. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. I think there's, I, <clears throat> there's two things that are running against that. One, they did not do a good job. Like schools are supposed to get a certain reserved amount of tickets, so I'm guessing they mismanaged that situation or they didn't get enough. And two, they're not playing in a football stadium like the men's, which makes it a harder ticket to get. But like, mm-hmm. this is a very, th- this situation should have never happened as long no. as you managed it correctly from the school's and NCA standpoint. But that's no yeah. surprise. The NCA has been terrible in managing the women's game, and that's why it hasn't grown. But they've finally hit the right step, and they've used like grassroots, like they've been, a, half of it I came across through TikTok, which might be going away, I know. It was a hot-button topic in the United States of America. But I, I found about, like, the Twins from Miami. Caitlin Clark was all over my feed. I started tuning in, and it's been one of the best experiences so far this March. Yeah. I think, yeah, women's tournament, I think that you, you'll see. I hope the NCAA, as we move into next year's college basketball season, keeps the same momentum for the women's game. And I hope, I hope that the higher-ups at the at the NBA see that, oh, if we market the WNBA in the same way we've marketed the NCAA did the tournament, we can get viewers. Because it's not that, I like the argument, but like, no, women just play a worse game. That's not true. It's, it's literally marketing. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely is. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it 100% is. And the women's, or WNBA could definitely take a page, like you said, Women's basketball has a great advantage of Caitlin Clark has been pretty outspoken that she's coming back next season. So you have mm-hmm. a certifiable star player to build the brand around. If the WNBA is smart, they are planning already now for when she is going to come into the league because that that girl can straight up ball, like I said. And there, there's many more, too, yeah. that can do it. But like that's somebody that the we've sort of latched onto because her game is so dynamic and there's other girls that are also very dynamic in this sense. But yeah, I, I think the high stakes. I think the nature, other thing that you're seeing too is the, and please don't kill me for this people is the, the translation of like a lot of these women having to play with men when they were younger. And now that like, now that is normalized across the uh, women's side. And so now you're seeing some of the same, some of the things that you thought were lacking before in a women's game and that you would only see in a men's game is now also being translated to the women's game. I 100% agree with that sentiment. I was thinking about it on the couch that the the I don't know how to put this but like the physics of their their play is starting to mend a little bit. Now granted, mm-hmm. yes. The men's product is a more athletic product, but the way in which they play the game, like I'm not going to sit here and, and play fool's errand on that yes it's a more athletic program obviously but the way in which they play the game is starting to look once again don't kill me here i'm I'm trying to put this this (laughs) but like we're trying to be sensitive here (laughs) yeah but it 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 does it looks it looks almost more natural Mm -hmm. and i think that's to your point like you're saying they've been playing with the men so that they've had to evolve the way they get off shots their arcs of their shots the way in which they ball handle and weave in and out of the lanes and things like that have evolved which has really been and it's it's to the point of like every old head in college men's basketball has been talking about like oh nobody can hit a mid-range shot there's not a lot of great ball movement there's not a lot of great set plays Go turn on the women's game. You're going to see all I of that. I do hate <laughs> the not great set plays, and I understand letting the players letting the players play. You should, but 
Like even wa- watch the NBA Finals and watch how many set plays yeah. a team runs in the NBA Finals. Like that is a I do think that's a detriment to college basketball right now. I agree. I 100 percent agree. I, I think there's going to be a pendulum swing. I, I think uh, you know, especially as we start to look at like yeah, we saw it in baseball. We've seen it in football where there's like this. You swing so hard to the analytic side of things, and then you yeah. kind of swing back because certain teams start to blend it a little bit better. And I think a team like UConn is starting to do is going to really perform that where it's like we have guys that can make the three, but we're not relying on just chucking up a bunch of threes. We are relying on set pieces. We need a well-rounded team. Um, and that's why I think they'll ultimately be. The yeah, I think like the men's game has fallen victim to a lot of gimmicks, too. Yeah. Um, and you see this in football as well, college football as well, with the the analytics and the gimmicks. And at a certain point, like. Sure, I, I I'm a person that loves numbers. You love numbers. Like I I like the analytics, but this is still a game played by human beings. 100%. So I, <laughs> that that margin of error is a lot larger than you think it is. Yep, I 100 percent agree with that. Um, all right, so we feel UConn's our national. UConn, I, I, I like, I like UConn, San Diego State. Um, before we we wrap this up, I forgot to ask your thoughts on the Ed Cooley situation in which is brewing there. How so, did you feel about about that whole whole ordeal? So a couple of things. One, like, I don't care about Ed Cooley's personal life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really don't. Like if the man can't keep it in his pants, that's between him and that administration and that person. Yep. Like what? Whatever. I I mean, it's a story, right? I get it. Yep. What I am more concerned about is: are there no like? collusion or anti-tampering between like teams in the same conference my dad was asking me this and i was like i know in professional sports absolutely there is i have no idea for college i i meant to look that up somebody smarter for college needs to be talking about that because i thought the same thing and that's what like i chris mack was in the same situation but it left a bad taste in my mouth where you have these guys that have endeared themselves so well to the university and Ed Cooley more so than Chris Mack. I'm just drawing the parallel because I've I went through this where I felt like a coach left and and left with a leaving me with a sour taste kind of thing. Where Ed Cooley was Providence. He was the institution. And the way in which he handled the leave like I think it's okay to take another job if you think it's a better yeah. job, if you're getting better pay. But there's a right way to leave and there's a bad way to leave. And everything Ed Cooley did was disrespectful to a, in my opinion to a university similar like Chris Mack. That has really given him everything he's wanted. He wanted more money. They've given him more money. He wants new facilities. Now, some of that, the dunk leaks and things like that. But, like, a university that's been very publicly backing him and wanting him to be at Providence for the rest of his life. And then I will say this. I I wanted Cooley to succeed because I want a strong Big East. But one thing that immediately I was like, yeah, no. Coaches, I'm going to tell you right now, do not do this. Did you see how he made every single coach at Georgetown Athletic come meet him in the basketball gym? And, like, they, they had to, like, circle around him and he talked to them? Like, No, I did not see this. Yes. He made every single one of them come in. Like, you know, like, the soccer swim coach were like, what the hell am I doing? Like, why am exactly. I here? <laughs> that That's wild. Why would he do that? corniest move ever i immediately was like man i kind of want you to fail now just for doing that (laughs) you're not a god you haven't done anything yet we also like like lifetime contracts mean nothing 
Yeah. Good Jeff Goodman or whatever of college basketball trying to act like he didn't that whole like Portnoy him on Twitter was hilarious to watch. But him acting like he doesn't know that there are such things as like lifetime contracts. Coaches become institutions. Bill Self has a lifetime contract. Kansas is never firing him. You know, Roy Williams, Coach K, like Yes, there's technically no thing, such thing as life contract, but come on, give me a break. He's out of here like there's no yeah. life contract. No, they become institutions. Right. No, I I guess his point. People like that always. Yeah, technically. Yes. Yes. I'm just like, oh my god, don't even bring that into the argument, Jeff. <laughs> Get the hell out. But of here. it does mean like, if you have a coach, you know, like a Bill Self, right? It means that he isn't safe like you i think 99 percent of the times he's safe right (laughs) but there is that one percent of time when he isn't right same thing for tom Izzo and msu like and we saw this happen in 2010 when cleveland really wanted tom Izzo, like through the through the um vote at him and everything that the you know school had to pony up some money but there are jobs out there that your coach, your institutional coach, will go take. Uh, it's uh, sometimes I think for Ed Cooley, it was about prestige and money. But for some of these coaches, it is like an opportunity thing, right? If Bill Self leaves, if Tom Izzo leaves, um, it's for something else that they're trying to pursue, not be not for money. Yeah, and he also has a very close relationship with the Thompson family there, and like, right. like there, there are extra factors in in, yeah. in going to coach for a brand like Georgetown. That yes, it the shine is off of it right now, but that is well, he took the shine off of it <laughs> by being scummy. Yeah. But the program's been it's seen better days <laughs> essentially. Yes. Um, I but it still would have been like if that was any other like marquee hire that went to Georgetown, you would be like Georgetown's back. Like that's yeah. that should be the story we're hundred percent talking about. That's not, not we're talking we're about, and that's on Ed him. His, his antics. That's on him. Hundred percent on him. All of this was controllable on him. It's a horrible look for a guy that was like beloved for the most part. Like especially within Big East community. Like, we liked Ed Cooley. Like, we thought he was yeah, like... He turned himself into a villain. Yeah, he really did. I. It's been a spectacular watch, Um, to be quite honest. I, we need a villain. We always need villains in conferences in college basketball, and Ed Cooley is the next villain, it seems like. Um, But this is another reason why the transfer portal, I like it so well, is because he does this. His players should get to leave. They do if they want, but Kim English is out here playing one-on-one with them to keep them on the Providence squad. Did you see that story? I did. That's fantastic. I love that from him. I didn't see that. I think he has to know that those players are out of there. I would agree, but still awesome. I mean, that, yeah, I think that's going to endear you to some people, or especially recruits who are like, oh, I have a coach that's willing to fight to keep me. Like, he's willing to go one on one to keep me. Like, that, that's a good story. Um, anything else before we wrap this bad boy up? Nothing else. I am excited to watch both. Sets the final fours tomorrow, the women's game. So, yes, sir. Um, can't wait to see that. Uh, my picks are were purely for entertainment this whole year. I hope that you guys know that. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what I'm talking about, <laughs> but uh, like that. Um, I think next year we're gonna see, we're going to like this year was pandemonium. I think next year, because teams are expecting it, we are going to see something wild next year. I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be so much fun next year. I'm I'm very excited for that. Um, one thing on the women's, I'm seeing like an 11 line for that South Carolina Iowa game. 
I'll sprinkle a little money on Iowa. Anytime you have somebody that can rein in threes, like, yes, the style of South Carolina's team is is a problem for Iowa to deal with, but 11-point spread in the Final Four, are you kidding me? I'm taking the underdogs there just on the spread point. I don't know if I, I don't think Iowa's going to win that game. I think South Carolina is because um, they got the best player in the country. But, yeah, it's that's a pick for there as well. Um, Excellent. That'll wrap it. Yeah, I got UConn winning this whole thing. I'm going back to my roots. Yeah. Taking Dante's wisdom Nate right out of my brain. <laughs> I mean, it is worthless. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I still think it would have been. I think it would. There's a good chance that would have come to fruition had UCLA Jesus. just not been so beat up and like yeah. just, I mean, they were right in there at the the end of it. It, it just a couple more shots fall their way. Yeah, and if Bill Self would have been on the sideline for Kansas, yep. that could have changed this as well. Hundred percent. I watched. It is weird to watch like K State. Never do this. I watched Denzel Valentine do it. And MSU got bounced. When you start promising your school a national championship, the basketball gods don't like it. 100%. People don't believe in the sports gods or the gambling gods. I'm telling you right now, they exist. Karma is a thing, and it comes for everybody. <laughs> yeah, K-State was a hell of a run. There's a very public figure at a very public sports media company that is basically battery acid to any team he supports right now that is the gambling gods coming back to hurt him right now same thing when it comes to players let the playing go down on the court and go from there <laughs> yeah. do not promise our school a national champion say we we are playing for one yes do not no simple nope. pr we could run a pr yes. agency over here for players <laughs> yeah so yep all right all right that'll do it for us and as always peace peace